Phone's on silent. All right, what are we going to talk about today? I'm not going to lie. I have been so busy in these weeks leading up to Christmas. I've had very little time to do any kind of research. You're just, you're getting straight opinions today. I'm not coming to the conversation with any kind of facts. Well, I mean, on our continued quest to put up, you know, consistent content, um, <laughs> these country catch-ups, like, are really the only way to do it. I've kind of noticed this with a lot of other podcasts, too, is a lot, a lot of them do the same thing, right, where they do, like, uh, an episode in between an episode where it's, like, it's not something that's necessarily heavily researched, but it's still... Something serious than a chit-chat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a challenge, right, to... It's not like this is our day job. <laughs> if it was, yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> yet. If it was, I think we'd be uh, probably recording this uh, on the street <laughs> in a yeah. cardboard box. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> a cardboard, cardboard podcast. Yeah. But this is our first run in our new studio, <laughs> as if that's oh what we yeah. want to call it. Are, are we going to officially change headquarters? I guess so. It would oh. make sense. When I came to the realization that I have an empty room in my house that's just been sitting empty for the last what's, year. What's Merle going to say about that? Well, you can always bring him. Yeah, I guess I could. He's been our executive producer. He'd be he'd be pretty upset if he was fired. Where's Bane? Did he leave us already? Or is he in the hallway? See, he doesn't even care. <laughs> he can't even come to that conversation. He can't have that job <laughs> interview. I think, I don't know if it would be challenging with Bane and Merle here because they, they'd probably be wrestling the whole time. It's true. We could just yeah. We couldn't have one or the other. It'd be tap dancing of nails on the hardwood the whole time. Or we could just leave them downstairs. Yeah, that's also true. Outside of the gun room slash studio. <laughs> Isn't this the gun room? Oh yeah, yeah gun room. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you meant downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> when I initially posted, uh, I don't know. I think I did an Insta story saying like, "Doesn't look like much, but this is going to be the new country country music headquarters." <laughs> and someone replied like, "What in God's name is in that closet?" <laughs> Because nobody can see there's an aggressive padlock on my closet door. <laughs> so where do you keep the prostitutes? <laughs> Ram back. Ram back. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, of course, that's the exact place someone went there. Like, it's not bodies. I'm like, why that's why there's the giant lock on there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would I lock them up? <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Country, country music. We're uh, edging up towards uh, Christmas here. We did our Christmas songs episode. Yep. And uh, and I actually have to make some amendments to some comments last time. Uh, not amendments. I still stand behind everything I said. And this is, this is to the point of we, we kind of went off a little bit on nobody should do standards, covers of standards whatsoever. <laughs> They're always super cheesy and like overproduced and like choirs and string sections and shit. And it's like, ugh, enough. Like, give us a break. Nobody cares about fucking rocking around the Christmas tree and like white Christmas and whatever the fuck. Blue else. Christmas. Blue, cr yeah. Like, we're uh, enough. No, like, there's enough of these covers out there. We don't need you to do the same cheesy ass, overproduced Nashville sound version. And then, 
then I heard a couple new things that got released exactly like, I don't know, what was it? Two weeks ago. I don't know. The day, the days that they were coming out, one was like the first week of December and one was like the second week of December. Anyways, um, what one, one was, um, I think we touched on it a little bit in the sense though, that some of those standards, when they do get really countrified, like if you can make up, you know, make yourself a good playlist of like countrified standards, then at least you can kind of please, because maybe, you know, your family, I don't know about you, but it's like, when I just keep hearing consistently all those country, um, or sorry, all those Christmas standards, it drives me a little bit insane. But if you can get like some Alan Jackson, Alan Jackson, George Strait playing and some like steel guitar playing along those country classics, then it kind of makes them a little more palatable. Yeah. I uh find anyways. A hundred percent. And you can sneak it in there at a family gathering. I think we talked about that last time. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, like, for me, it's also just the interestingness. It's not only that it's annoying that it's so overlaid with an overproduced characterization, that like, instrumentation that doesn't even need it. It's it's that it's been done so many times. Yeah. And, I don't know, I was just... I think that's why, for the most part, most of our suggestions and our whole playlist last time was non-standards like country christmas originals because they're 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 unique they're interesting some of them are very old and like they've become kind of standards now like so many people have done uh uh what was the buck owens one santa looked a lot like daddy that's that so i was trying to get at something that's like unique and i don't know dynamic and awesome like that that's original yeah. instead of just like the boring over and over redone i'm dreaming of a white christmas with like some other carrie underwood with more choruses and more string sections like oh my god pull my hair out but then i heard uh stephanie ryan you know uh this lady uh, a little bit i'm not super familiar with her but yeah, I'm not crazy familiar either. Um, I've been following her on Instagram a little bit. Uh, had a few interactions. She seems super cool. She lives in New York, it seems. Um, not the, probably not the easiest place to uh, start a hardcore country career. <laughs> I always wonder sometimes though, is do you get that big fish small small pond effect? Because there's. I, I could be wrong, and, and if anyone's listening from New York, um, correct me, but I can't imagine there's a ton of country bands coming out of New York. I, I don't know. I can't imagine either. I feel like per capita, there's got to... Sorry, I feel like there's probably a decent amount of people there that play... Because what is it, like 15, 18 million people in New York? There's got to be quite yeah, a bit of country. numbers of it. But like proportionately or per capita, it's got to be tiny. Well, and then, so then you get that kind of thing where it's like, there's not a million bands competing for that space. Yeah. But then again, I guess the demand might not be as high. Is it like everybody from like all five boroughs coming to like the one place (laughs) in Brooklyn or Manhattan that's like supplying the country talent for everybody in the city? I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, she put out a really great version of Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Uh, like very broke down and steel guitar on top of it. And I don't know. I, it just, 
I'll admit, when I saw that that was coming out, <laughs> following having recorded the podcast at that point, it wasn't it wasn't published yet, but it was recorded, and I was like, oh no, here's another one. This is gonna suck. And then listened to it, and I was like, hmm, like it started off all right, and then I was expecting it to get into something like weird and overdone, and it was great all the way through. And I find even though I don't really like the standards personally, and I still generally feel the same way I feel about them, when it's done like that, that's the kind of thing that I'm gonna want on in the background when I'm having Christmas time with family. It's it's not a cheesy, overdone version. It's more more mellow, but definitely country. And it's kind of just like a little nod of legitimacy, like, hmm, mm-hmm. nice, well done, touche. And it's not exhausting to listen to. It's just like... <laughs> exactly. It, there's zero frustration to it. And there's like some... Actually gives me some of that Christmassy joy that I never get from those standards <laughs> yeah. that are like just frustrating to listen to. Um, and similar thing from Layla Tucker. Also, I think I heard this one last week or two weeks ago. Uh, she did her version of the Christmas song. And exact same idea, like very much more um, simple orchestration, broke down, pedal steel, um, even a little jazzy, almost like a slow Western swing or a jazzy with pedal steel, kind of bit of a kink in it, yeah. with, uh, like a country kink in a way. But she seems pretty cool. Uh, doesn't have a ton of music available because she is pretty young. But uh, So I that's Tanya Tucker's yeah. daughter? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. So uh, re- we'll really be interested in seeing what she uh, puts out, where her career goes. Um, her mom's record. Have you listened to the latest record? Maybe I think like bits and pieces. I can't say I've given it this all a listen. Uh, it is going to be one of my favorite records of the year. Little spoiler alert uh, called While I'm Living. Uh, next episode, actually, maybe we, this is when we should break the news. This is our last episode for 2019. We will be back at some point in early, mid-January with our uh, first episode of uh, 2020. And I think we are going to do a best of 2019. And I think maybe we should even look at best of the decade. Or maybe we should do that separately. Yeah, we could do like, one. I mean, we could even do two different episodes. One of best of 2019 and then a best of the decade. Yeah, I mean, we are changing over decades. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be super fun. Yeah, let's yeah let's do that. I, y- stay tuned, everyone, because we've got a lot of ideas and a lot of cool content coming at you. Um, I think there's going to be some good uh, super in-depth uh, episodes. I've got quite a few ideas on some stuff and just lots of stuff coming out of the country country music corner over here and uh so literally yeah. a corner now yeah <laughs> a country like, country music closet <laughs> yeah i don't know how big is the, how big is this room i think i measured it and it's quite small but i don't know like eight by ten maybe yeah we got everything we need in here there's a cooler a beer yeah yeah it, it, it fits us <laughs> plus the cooler beer hopefully and, the and sound Bain, uh, the uh executive assistant yeah We'll have to bring Merle over for approval at some point. (laughs) Just to (laughs) approve the premises. (laughs) Um, So continuing on just one more uh, Christmas song follow-up here. 
And along the same lines, but not in a standards covering way, uh, a white Christmas makes me blue. Not a white Christmas. White Christmas makes me blue by Randall King. Heard this just a couple days ago. I love Randall King. He's one of my favorite guys out of Texas right now. Like he, he's Andrew style country. Like I love this guy. And when I saw that he had a Christmas song, just a single released and white Christmas makes me blue sounds like original. So I got kind of excited. So I might be wrong. Maybe this isn't an original and he's covering somebody else's original that isn't a standard, but I've never heard it before. And it was great. I uh, played for Sean as soon as we came over, as soon as I came over today, and the the intro had a bit of a like a bit, Barry White bit kind of a vibe. Well, that's also because like <laughs> as it was starting, I was like, "Hey there, <laughs> I I see you over there." <laughs> I just changed the whole vibe of it by doing that. But let me stuff that stocking, yeah, <laughs> yeah. with care. Yeah, <laughs> I see your turkey. <laughs> I'm gonna stuff it. <laughs> Stuff it with love. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Just I'm, I'm not going to go through the song and uh, talk about it, but you should 100% recommend. Go check it out. Uh, he's a great artist. If you don't know him, go back and listen to it. I think he has three albums, two, two past albums, three albums. Um, some good material, really great guy, and probably one of my new favorite songs uh for the season not even for the season like right now i won't be listening to it in january but it's definitely in the top part of my rotation right now as i'm driving around and i'm not listening to any other christmas music as i'm driving around yeah i'm listening to zero Uh, the most the most listening of christmas music i did was when we did our like playlists for the christmas song episode um and then i i quickly got sick of it and yeah, moved yeah on. me too yeah <laughs> i listened through it just to like get what your songs were and yeah i played it once when i was cooking uh i listened through it once when i was cooking for a, a party uh, a week or so ago well i know but i'm gonna get a healthy dose of christmas music seeing as yeah. we're nine days out from christmas and well uh, this this is one that you can you can get into a um and uh, it just has such a good pickup too and it had like rides the rim just the same way it's gotten a lot of that 90s vibe to it It was reminding me not quite george or alan but of that era maybe almost more of a clint black kind of thing going on no really dig it check it out um speaking of uh playlists just to update everybody i don't think we had mentioned on a past episode that we were just going to start doing like a running kind of mix of what we're listening to um so that's up there on the uh, Spotify, the Country Country Music Spotify. I believe it's only my songs at this point. I think uh, Andrew's been, well, I think we've both been about equally as busy, but uh, I threw a bunch of new songs up in that playlist. So that playlist, it's just called, I think I just called it Country Country Music. And uh, Andrew and I will just be adding songs, new stuff as we listen to it. I'll keep it fresh. Like I'm not going to leave all the old stuff on there, but um, yeah, it's just going to be kind of an updated listen into what we're listening to so check that one out give the uh, spotify account a uh, follow as well what do you got you got anything next i've got a couple other things i just i wanted to uh yeah i wanted to throw back a little bit to um we had talked about uh karen and the sorrows and we Mm -hmm. we went in a little bit in, in depth on her and then i had mentioned that she was doing that dj spot on um 
Gimme Country Radio, which then I started listening to, which again, go check that out. It's really cool. I tried to find archives and it wouldn't work. Oh, it didn't? No. Maybe I made that up. I think you made that up. Unless I'm doing something wrong. Like you can see where they had played, but it's not like an archive Mm. podcast or something. Yeah, maybe it's, uh, it looked to me, it looked like they were there, but I'd have to check it on the app after. Yeah, I, I couldn't figure it out. Well, she had a really cool DJ set and she like a, a good chunk of it she dedicated to um like the roots of uh, african americans in country music and she made some like super interesting parallels like stuff i never knew or even thought about and then kind of pointed me towards this book that i actually ordered i haven't gotten it yet um it's called hidden in the mix and it, it's about the african american presence in country music and I was thinking it'd make for a really cool episode to do like a whole thing on the this. country country book club. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm once I get the book, that I'll... would have been perfect for right now. Because <laughs> the other reason why we're at your house is because my wife is having her book club at our house, <laughs> and I had to vacate. So, um, yeah, that okay. would have been good. We had our own book club tonight. <laughs> Well, if I would have had this book, but I didn't get it yet. I had to order it from like what some good is that? university press. But uh, oh, of course, it's one of those. Yeah, but it it sounds really cool. But she made some some really interesting parallels, and I'll just read quickly. What from, university press? Oh, I don't remember. Okay, let me see if it's in here. I mean, he was a professor at. Oh no! So basically, the um, the book is a compilation. Uh, it's not all one author from what I understand. It's a bunch of different works kind of compiled into one. So it says, uh, I'll just quickly read from this article, which is from NPR. That would be an NPR. edited by someone. Yeah. So I, I found an NPR article on it just so I could pull a bit of background, which just says, um, the best pieces and hidden in the mix from, uh, form neat bookends. The first is uh, Black Hillbillies, African-American musicians on old time records, 1924 to 1932. Um, it's by Patrick Huber, uh, by scouring and collating data from Hillbilly and race record discographies, Huber documents at least 22 racial, racially integrated proto country music recording sessions and almost 50, if not more African-American musicians who played on Hillbilly records before 1932. Uh, he calls his research particularly challenging due to incomplete personnel records. Plus he writes, it's often frustratingly difficult, if not impossible, especially in case of common surnames like Smith Jones and Johnson to locate a particular artist in census records and other public documents and determine his or her race with any degree of certainty. Um, but this was the part that I was, that uh, Karen was talking about when she did her, her DJ set on Gimme Country was uh, one of the fundamental uh, received wisdoms of popular music history is that due to taste and Jim Crow, white folks made one kind of music which became the roots of country and Western and black folks uh, simultaneously made what the industry labeled race music, which is blues, gospel, rhythm and blues. Uh, though race mixing in the studio was a rare phenomenon, Huber shows uh, clearly that interracial recording sessions and the general sharing of musical ideas across Jim, Lo- Jim Crow lines was more common than is imagined today. But it's this, uh, what uh, she really focused on on her when she was doing that DJ set was that it was manufactured and it was during the time of segregation. So it was like, okay, country music is white, blues is black. And it was really crazy to me to think of it in that sense because I never really did that it was a function of segregation to make people actually think that white people sound like this in music and black people sound like this when at the time it was actually totally mixed. And then over the years, it just became... Well, it's another social identifier. Yeah. And it's it's 
interesting because then you get all these themes of you know like country music has developed a bit of a bad rap which is in terms of like racial stereotypes Mm -hmm. and things like that uh you know white supremacy it that's those are common themes and it never used to be like that. It was created. Like this was a manufactured well, sort of This is why people like Elvis were controversial. He wasn't the first to do it by any means, but he was one, the first to like make it really big where the criticism is he's a pretty young white boy playing black music yeah. and he's making millions, but they're not. And so the, I don't know, the, the dissenting opinion or the critique would have been this is like co-opting of culture, et cetera. But another way to look at it that uh, has sometimes been voiced is it, it was something that a lot of people liked and listened to, but because of the racial divides, nobody was really brave enough or wanting to, um, to go and so publicly play black music if they were white because of the, the deep-seated uh, social and cultural implications that had been built into it. So in in one sense, some people see him as almost crossing lines and bringing things together, and other people see it as like co-opting of another culture. It's it's a super interesting discussion, and I think it would be, um, you know, I want to give this book a full read so I can, you know, really see what we could you know how we could break this down into a full episode but i think it would make for a really interesting sort of history type absolutely episode in the future because even as much of so much of like like country music its roots are stemmed from various like white well maybe not white but not african sources one of the main instruments as soon as that gets blended in like banjo is from africa Mm -hmm. and it is so ubiquitous with like white hillbilly music bluegrass that type of country music culture that it's some people forget that this is like the very basis the nexus point of that music still comes from africa there's a funny part in this 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 article about the book it's called race and country music then and now is from npr um because it mentions banjo it says uh where is it here uh, so is the red solo cup uh, half full or half empty? <laughs> Unfortunately for all the progress, uh, books like this are aiding, and then they're referring to um, that hidden in the mix book. Uh, you'd be hard put uh, to find any uh, many expressions of racial harmony in country music today. The response to accidental racist Brad Paisley's uh, only seems like a hundred years ago song from uh, this was a while ago. Brought yeah, up you brought the, that up in an earlier episode. Yeah, I don't remember what that. Ep- oh, it was the either. Lil Nas X episode, I think. Oh, probably, yeah. Um, it, uh, this song brought out the worst in critics of every persuasion in uh, his hilarious review of the song in Vice Magazine the kid Miro I don't know who this is but he cuts to the chase and says banjos make everything sound racist huh. <laughs> which makes it kind of funny because it's like it's not a but I get you know what I mean it's I, yeah, guess I don't even know if that's yeah, I, I, I would want to know who this guy is before I know if that's funny or if that's like... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's also the connotations from... Um, what's the movie? Deliverance. Deliverance, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing, is like that could be either an ignorant statement or a funny statement, kind of depending on where it's coming from yeah. or what the context of the comment is. 
So I'm going to slide out of this story and quickly into another one because it's probably the only segue into something um, that I, I stumbled upon. A uh, statue of Dolly Parton may replace controversial tribute to KKK leader. <laughs> so this is from... Uh, Where is this? It is in... So um, a statue of Dolly Parton is reportedly being considered to replace a controversial tribute to former Ku Klux Klan leader Nathan Bedford in Tennessee. There's a statue, a public statue of this person? So this controversial statue of Bedford has stood in the Tennessee Capitol building since 1978, but it's only now that the local officials are considering removing the tribute to former Grand Wizard. As the Tennessean reports, uh, Parton is being considered for the honor because of her revered status as a country music legend, and unlike Bedford, the distinct lacked the distinct lack of a decidedly abhorrent past. So, so um, okay, hold on. The only way I could see this as potentially somewhat defensibly legitimate is if this former Grand Wizard was also like the governor or like some major political figure. And he also happened to be this. N- not saying that that makes it okay in any shape or form, but it would kind of justify why there's this guy's statue in like a Capitol building. Yeah. If, I would if he's have there, to be. They, yeah, if he's there like... specifically because he was like some major grand wizard of the KKK, that's fucked. And that shouldn't like never have been there. Like uh, that, that's so interesting. No, I, and I would assume, I, wonder, I, wonder, I would assume you're right on that. Um, I'm trying to see if it says anything more about it. Uh, he just says the house just of representatives. the guy's name. Yeah. They just say the, the quote from the House of Representatives member. Just What's said, his name? His name was Nathan Bedford. And he just said, if we want to preserve history, then let's tell it the right way. Right now, there are eight alcoves in the Capitol. Seven are filled with white men. How about getting a lady in there? Now I feel like we're kind of switching to a different narrative, though. Um, he was a Confederate Army ger- general during the American Civil War. And has remained a controversial figure in Southern racial history, especially for his role in the massacre of black soldiers at Fort Pillow. Fort Pillow. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite that- fort. <laughs> I don't know if Come that's on. more funny because it sounds like a child's like set up with like couch cushions or whether it is like the least defensibly sounding <laughs> fort in the history of. <laughs> They're like, if we make it sound really lame... <laughs> Yeah, and so I guess after that, he was the leader of the Ku Klux Klan for, I don't know, just two years. Uh, that's weird. Okay, well, th- that that is only the first paragraph of Wikipedia, so might be something we're missing there, but seems fucked just from that. Just going to say that. And the old pillow fort. The old pillow fort. Do you know Dolly? I didn't. Uh, this is at the end of the article. It says Dolly Parton's new Netflix series arrived late last month, and this was from. This is a very recent article. Uh, yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah, I've is it on our? Is it on it. Canadian Netflix? Yeah. Cool. It's called uh, Eight Eight Dolly Stories, showcasing the memories and inspirations. She's like really lighting it up lately. Yeah, I've been listening to the um, Dolly Parton's America podcast, which is great. Uh, a lot of weird side stories in there, but the main content is is great. It's, it's very uh, Radio Lab. If any of you podcaster oh. podcast listeners will know what that means, but things are coming together now for me because someone just recently played me the Miley Cyrus uh, version of Jolene, 
and it actually wasn't half bad. But yeah, it's from now a number I, of years ago. I get it. It says Parton revealed that she originally wants wanted Miley Cyrus to play the role of Jolene in the show. Oh, and she wouldn't do it. I don't know. That's that's all it says. It sounds like it's not really. I don't. She's not. I saw the preview to it. I just haven't watched it yet, and I don't think she's in it. Oh. But uh, Miley Cyrus is her goddaughter. That's an old version of that song? Like the Miley Cyrus doing Jolene? Yeah, yeah that's been on YouTube for years. I want to say oh. that's like, I don't know, like 2012, oh, well, 13, 14. Like it's, it's been new, around for a while. New to me. Okay, what uh, what do you got on the docket? What else do I have? Um, oh, yeah. want to follow up on my new favorite song from uh, two episodes ago. Uh, Jenny Lee, the old oak tree. Yeah. Pretty good for an old oak tree. Continue to love this song. Keep listening to it. It's, it's past the test of multiple, many listens over time. I've been listening to it heavily, too. <clears throat> yeah. I, I really hope... You know, I... On one hand, I hope that this song can have the sentimentality and the staying power and, I don't know, the the rocket power of something like The House That Built Me by Miranda Lambert, uh, which was the hugest song of however many years ago that was. But because she's brand new, I don't know if it could get that much momentum that quickly. But this song to me is like, it's every bit as good as that song. Uh, in fact, it speaks to me even more. Like I mentioned last time, being someone who dabbles in woodworking and having built a table and having like a sentimental story behind how that came. And so many of her lyrics in that song are touch points for exactly that situation for me. And we actually had a bit of a back and forth and in some Instagram DMs and she she's super cool girl uh really really dig her vibe and i was from instagram and how she how she operates even (laughs) even as i think i mentioned last time her uh instagram bio her little tagline there um nashville artists restoring the country music narrative you deserve more than just beer and truck songs I i love that and She's she's even sweet about that. Like I, I kind of mentioned that and said, yeah. By the way, we love your bio line. Uh, we need more people keeping it real and making country country music. And uh, she was like, I agreed. It may be a little bold. I don't want to be a hater, but I want to do my part to restore and protect the songwriting element to country. And it's like, fuck yeah. Like, there's a difference between being uh, a hater and just like that's not it's not calling out anybody specifically. It's just basically saying pulling your hat down and yeah. just like doing your thing. Yeah. And that's, I, I think a lot of that movement we keep talking about is just like the straight ahead, like good songwriters, good music is starting to come through. It's starting to break through, which is nice to see. Yeah. So I had uh, some questions for her about the table. I was like, kind of like, did you, did you, because you, you see on her Instagram that there is a table to go with this story. Like she, she was refinishing it and, uh, or, or building it. it, you can't really tell exactly what's happening in the video. There's there's work on a table happening. And so um, I wanted to know if this was real or if it's just a song and a video to go with it. And turns out it's all real. 
And so then I start thinking like, oh, like did the song come first and then a table got built in and around it? Like, was this a, a, a creative artistic song idea? Um, or was there a table and was this kind of real life and then a song came out of it? And I think it was somewhere in between. She, uh, she, it, it, it was her parents' table back when and uh, she, she had grown up around it. But in some some kind of happenstance her sister's ex-husband had ended up with it and it was like in his garage with like beer openers and things like that attached to it it was like painted black and she said it was covered in oil stains and everything like that so she had driven to maryland to go get it and then refinish it so if you go to her oh, Instagram, so that was that video you posted was her refinishing okay that's yeah cool. yeah so she took it all apart refinished it sanded it down back to the wood and then uh, essentially, I don't know what she put on it, whether it was oil or stain or varnish or what. I assume, as she says, like coats of mahogany, I assume that means mahogany colored stain. Um, but I don't know, I didn't, we, we didn't geek out on the, on the woodworking aspect of it. <laughs> Maybe I'll follow up. Woodworking podcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's next week's episode. Um, <laughs> But uh, apparently a lot of the song actually uh, came from from uh, lived experience. And I think she said it was inspired by pieces of all of their stories and with, with the people that she had wrote this song with. Uh, she wrote it a couple of years ago in Nashville with uh, two of her friends. And I, th I think they were holding on to it, hopefully waiting for a bigger artist to uh, pick it up, cut it, and maybe maybe take it to, <laughs> I, I would have thought like a, a Miranda, kind of a yeah. follow-up on a house that built me. But uh, after playing it so many times live, she really fell in love with it and just wanted to put it out herself. And uh, her part of it stemmed from stories of her parents' first table in their first apartment and not having any furniture and having like an old card table held up on paint cans they were sitting around and ate big beans on paper plates with some cheap champagne celebrating their moves and so i think that kind of built her narrative her idea her inspiration for it well i certainly hope she makes uh some good inroads with that song because me too it uh it deserves to be a popular song it looks like it's getting a bit of a push. I, I don't know if it's because of algorithms of what I'm following, but I, I see it coming across YouTube in my spheres. And uh, it looks like she's getting some like billboards and things like that in Nashville. So ho I'm hoping, again, further to this isn't underground country. Like this is more of a mainstream style. And I think that's why I was so impressed with it last time. I was like, yes, this is like radio friendly country that is keeping it real yeah or bring it back bringing back real so i don't know we're we're rooting for you yeah i've played that song for a few people too and uh good reactions all around uh, and also kind of funny some of the reactions also being like i can't believe you're listening to this like <laughs> in reference to me because it's not normally my style but that's an even bigger compliment because if something that as you called it mainstream has worked its way into my brain and I'm really enjoying it. And it's like on one of my regular playlists now. Yeah. That's, that's some pretty far reaching, but that's what the song, good songwriting will do. Right. It, if it's a well-written song, it's a well-written song. I don't yeah. care what the genre is. Mm -hmm. Um, so Shania Twain is, uh, 
back on the scene, man. I feel like after again, didn't yeah. we just talk to about we this did. last time? We did, and uh, she <laughs> she just recently uh, she was being interviewed by USA Today magazine, and she's uh, slammed the very ageist country music radio stations for not playing songs by older female artists such as herself. How uh, about Reba McIntyre, Patty Loveless? But not just females. Here's where I'm going to jump in on an <laughs> egalitarian <laughs> argument. The radio stations aren't playing the new records by George Strait or Alan Jackson or anyone else either. Yeah, I feel like I, I kind of softballed that one in for you because okay. I, I knew you'd say that. Hold um, on a minute. <laughs> and I, I kind of felt the same way. I was like, okay, Shania, like you, you either need to say yeah across the board or, or don't just – like say that the radio stations just need to be playing more females in general yeah. um but yeah she said well, uh, she said i don't hear reba on the radio anymore i don't hear patty loveless on the radio anymore i don't i don't hear shania twain on the radio is anymore Patty loveless actually making music now though i, I know no reba for sure is i have no idea she goes on to say thankfully with technology we do have other outlets of getting our music out there and radio isn't the end uh end all be all isn't the be all end all the correct yes. way to say it? Uh I'm quoting anyways. She lives in Switzerland now, <laughs> so who knows? And she's from Windsor. <laughs> from Windsor. That's what it says, the Windsor, Ontario born. Isn't she from Timmins? Yeah. Did they get it wrong in this yeah. article? <laughs> who wrote that article? Yeah, it was I guess it's from I don't remember. Unless she was born in Windsor and like grew up in Timmins. No way, that's rough. Yeah, she's from Timmins. <laughs> There's a fucking like Shania Twain museum yeah, in right? Timmins. I'll have to call it's like one this. of the two things to do in Timmins. <laughs> uh, she goes on to say, uh, it's very frustrating. It's a disservice not only to the artists, but to the public that they can't turn on the radio and hear all the best music that's being made right now. Adding that stations are being very ageist. Twain said she's hoping that with her remarks... And the stances of her peers, including Jennifer Nettles and Miranda Lambert, will prompt a change in the industry. So there's a, so it sounds like she's switching more to just the, the equal opportunity airplay kind of thing. The other um, problem... Sorry, go ahead. And she just says, uh, there's a lot of good female talent out there, and they've been more vocal about the resistance at radio to resistance of radio to include them more equally in airplay. I'm hoping that does start to make a change because there are many female artists with strong songs that belong in the top 40 in country radio that are just not out there. And uh, So, problem is, Shania Twain's new record sucks. <laughs> I haven't even listened to it. It's not good. I don't know. That's my opinion. I don't want to say that so definitively like it's a fact, but like, I wouldn't play it. And like, we're... <laughs> We very much want more females in country, but like not at the expense of shitty music. Like there's there's plenty of great females. Like we're how many were we yeah, talking well, about I mean, today? I, but I like Shania she... Twain's new record, it fucking sucks. <laughs> like I challenge anybody to make me a good counter argument like, on <laughs> why this is good. I like how you're like, oh, I don't want to like say that so definitively and then you just like <laughs> repeated it with more stank on it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't want to say it so definitively. I want to say it's super definitively. Yeah, more stand. It's like, and and then like it, it's a convenient time for her to make that argument because it's true. We need more females in country music, and they're also not playing enough like older artists, not only female but male as well, in on country radio or anywhere. Well, I guess the highway. Sorry, not the highway. Uh, Satellite XM. Various stations are playing some of the. Uh, older artists but mainstream radio like radio radio isn't doing it well i'm i'm happy she's upset i'm happy that she's upset and she's putting it out there because it's any she's a big name right so like the more sway the better on on that argument that 
you know the representation of of women on country music is quite low so it's nice that she's throwing her hat in, in into the ring on that one um i feel like she should like just give up on country and try for pop like if you've listened to her new record there's nothing country about it well maybe she was trying for pop okay well then why is she talking about country radio well i think she had putting herself she in the identifies as a country as musician <laughs> she hasn't been country since like 1999 and even then, it was a slippery slope. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna argue on this. Which one. I say that, like, the woman in me is maybe top. Five, I think I've said this before on, on the podcast. Probably top five favorite country albums of the whole '90s, like, of anybody, male, female. Like she, Shania Twain is as good as it got at a time, and then she went so hardcore pop. I just, I don't know. She's, she's still good. For what she is, but it's not country. And now, if she wants to make this argument and align herself <laughs> with like Reba and say that it's ageist and not playing female country, it's like, well, number one, you're not really country anymore. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's obviously out there trying to make more noise around herself, right? That's because good. It's bringing awareness to it for sure, yeah. and that's that. Like, that's great. She also. Um, she went, I don't even know what the what the context of this was, but she went on to uh, talk about Taylor Swift and her feud with Big Machine Records. I guess because uh, I don't it's even know Michael Jackson meme of me eating popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> go on. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna. I don't really care about this. The, the whole. If I'm nobody, interested on what her position on that is. Okay. Well, all she was talking. If, if nobody knows what this is, is that um, Big Machine Records owns the right to a bunch of Taylor Swift's old songs. Yeah, we talked about that a little while ago. Yeah. So just to catch anybody else up on it. Uh, she just said, I don't know a lot of the details of that, but I'm a big supporter of Taylor. Uh, I think she's just incredibly brilliant, and I haven't had a chance to talk to her about it, and I don't really know where everybody is coming from, but I'll always support <laughs> the artist and their access to their own okay. music. It seems so a bit I have nothing smart to say, <laughs> except I'm going to just blab because I... Okay. Yeah, so great. do you see where I'm going with this? I think she's obviously just trying to say, like, associate herself with... like. Taylor Swift's super popular. She's throwing it out there. She's just touching on subjects that she feels it's. You could almost feel like her publicist was like, "Touch on some relevant stuff right now." Uh, what the word I was about to use is, she has become so irrelevant, and because she was such a big deal at one point, she. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to pretend to know her motives, but it sounds like she feels entitled to be relevant again, and is upset that she's not, and is tapping into a lot of these current conversations that are very true about not enough females in radio, et cetera. And like, Oh, supporting Taylor in this feud. But like admittedly in her quote, doesn't know what the <laughs> fuck no she's idea talking what it is. about. <laughs> I don't know what uh, this whole thing's about, but I'm, uh, I'm on Taylor's side about this. It's like, the fuck do some research. You have, like you're a hundred millionaire, like pay somebody to figure some shit out for you. If you're not going to do it. Speaking of Taylor Swift, I won't get too much into anything about her, but I, I did find an interesting article um, where she was talking about, and I thought this was kind of cool. She was talking about the differences between um, the country music community and the pop music community in terms of being a female artist and when she made her jump from, from country into pop. Like as how she's received or uh, more or like it, on the industry side? Industry side and like camaraderie between artists. Oh. Uh, so she said, uh, and this is just a cool 
the only reason I'm going into this is I just think it's a cool, oh, almost a little bit of a love letter to to country music, and just said because that's how country music feels, right? And it's neat to hear from artists that the, that as a community they are. Anyways, I'll I'll, I'll quote the article. She says, yep. uh, "Country music is a real community, and in pop, I didn't see that community as much. Now there's a bit of uh, is that why all her best friends are supermodels? Well, she's saying she kind of talks about that. She says now there's a bit of uh, community between the girls and pop. We all have each other's numbers and text each other. But when I first started out in pop, it was very much uh, you versus you versus you. Um, she talks about um, one of her songs called "You Need to Calm Down," where she's sort of, I guess she's talking about this, like how she like one of the lines is "We all we've all got crowns. You need to calm down." It's like not, I guess it's about people not trying to foster that competitiveness mm. um, as much and then the article goes on to just say perhaps country music's sense of community is fostered by its relative obscurity depending on the place you live country music might not get your regular airplay pop is the biggest and broadest of genre uh blah blah, blah blah but it's basically just to say that um she's just talking about how there was such a network in the country music community where everybody has each other's back and you're kind of really seeing that uh again recently too um with everybody sort of banding together over the lack of airplay stuff that we just talked about. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, it's nice to hear that that's existing in country music. And then I'm, I don't need to get into the rest of it, but she she does start to say that it's the pop music industry is changing towards that as well. And she's got a close knit community and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just, it's, I always like to hear nice things about the country music genre because that's how it kind of comes across, right? So mm -hmm. you like to hear things like that. that Wholesome and community driven. Yeah, exactly. It was the wholesome corner of the podcast. <laughs> it's about as wholesome is, is as you're going to get out of me. <laughs> is it as wholesome as this corner of your house? <laughs> this is probably the most wholesome corner of my house. With your gun closet right there? Yeah, but nothing unwholesome ever really happened in this room. <laughs> it was an office for a while. It's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> I'll avoid the other corner that has your bedroom. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, don't go in there. <laughs> Priests won't even go in and bless that. <laughs> <laughs> you need that exercised. What else we got? Okay, speaking of pop music and country music and women, um, Jenna Paulette, you hadn't heard of her. I sent you her Instagram. Mm -hmm. You took a look at it. Mm -hmm. And this is, I said, give a, a bit of a creep and see what you think. And what what, what did you tell me? I said she looked like pretty Texas, like hardcore Western kind of cowboyish, you know, or I guess cowgirlish. Yeah, and looked pretty authentic. You're talking about riding horses. And yeah, I don't remember what, what do they say. I don't know. Like it's something <laughs> about like. Oh, I said it's it, it's. Uh, I don't remember how I phrased it, but basically just um, discussing the virtues of um, women that can ride a horse. <laughs> in in an authenticity type of con yeah. context yeah and I, I, f I first came across this uh artist on instagram as well too and i was like shit here we go now we got ourselves something real here uh something extra real not to imply that a lot of our other favorites aren't real but they sure as fuck aren't like on horseback in west texas and like playing gigs dressed like this like just go check out our instagram instagram she's got a a great style um but then i listened to her on spotify <laughs> <laughs> and not even a little bit what i expected 
but I didn't hate it. And I, I, that, that's harsh. Uh, I, I didn't mean to phrase that that way. Um, but, well, I guess, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> and like when, when I first heard like that, the sonic, very modern production. I mean, the positive way would be to just say, I didn't love it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, because I, I did start to like it and it made me really think. And at first I was like, the fuck is this? Is this the right person? When <laughs> I put on the Spotify, uh, I, I don't remember which song it was, maybe F-150 or something. And like a song that's called F-150, all about like <laughs> driving in trucks and everything. And it has like the most produced heavy bass pop, like slow jam pop country song. And I don't mean pop country in the way you hear it on the radio. Like this, this seems more, it's almost the sound that, you know what Jason Aldean's um, Dirt Road Anthem sounded like in 2000 and whatever that was, uh -huh. like 10 years ago? With, with that more of a bassy, slightly clubbier sound, bit of a rap lyric, and then, but still steel guitar in the background. It's, it's still definitely passed as a country song, but built on the foundation of a, um, I don't know, I don't want to say a club song because it wasn't, but it like a bit more rappier and beats and everything. This, this kind of gave me similar similar thoughts where I was like, what's going on here? And then it just has so much steel guitar and everything she's singing about is so country. And the music definitely is not. The melody is, again, carried by the steel, but it's just, I, it's really made me think. And I didn't just turn it off and be like, nope, this is garbage. I, I, I keep, and I think it might be, no, I'm just thinking out loud here. I, I'm having an existential crisis with this. <laughs> I'm watching the wheels turning. <laughs> I, I have some thoughts, but because I'll let you finish. If let, let, let's let's just compare two people we've been talking about today. Like if Stephanie Ryan, who lives in New York City, had put out this record, the um, Jenna Paulette stuff, it wouldn't have made your head hurt as much. No, it would have <laughs> been like, nope, not interested. Like, but you got. You got suckered in by um, a well, like a well done Instagram. I've and like looking at bio, like giving a, a quick research on who this person is. Like it's where they live, and like, like like you said, like taking a look and like seeing horse riding, etc. Like I don't know, does she live on a ranch or does her partner live on a ranch? But like they seem to always be working in it. Um, like with Insta stories and driving around and ranching and whatnot. I don't know. Uh, I haven't, I haven't looked at it closely enough. I've just been more listening to it in the car, but I haven't done enough research or deep creeping on Instagram or anything, but it, uh, it just seems that much more authentic. And I think I was expecting like a young female George Strait when I w went to go listen to this. Cause I first found her on Instagram, like I said, and interestingly, she's dropping subtle hints to George and sometimes not so subtle hints to George Strait all through her songs. But then they just have this sonic value to them of like a way too modern sound that the only thing saving it is the lyrics and the pedal steel that keeps like those two things tell you you're listening to country music, but the rest of it doesn't really. And I think that is what's drawing me or 
I don't know, kind of tearing at two different parts of me. And then there's like the authenticity or if that's not the right word, the sincerity question of like who she is, like her persona and everything that seems to be so, so country. I don't know. Tell tell me what, <laughs> well, talk me through this. I need a therapist. Okay. So I, I have, uh, I have two parts to this. First, I, I just, as I was um, on her Instagram, as you were talking, um, one thing just ruined this all for me is that she's on tour with Mason Ramsey right now. Number one, he was that fucking yodeling c- cowboy. Yeah. Shit from, walmart that doesn't ruin it for me just (laughs) no but listen okay and then the second the second part of this existential (laughs) dread that's creeping in (laughs) is that mason ramsey has two million fucking followers on (laughs) i'm just i'm about to flip this table and just like (laughs) i'm out i'm out just like done (laughs) just fold the podcast yeah yeah. and i'm just gonna i'm gonna go to like tibet and just (laughs) i'm gonna go on like a soul journey Um, okay. So ignoring that, which I just discovered, which I don't know why the hell she'd be on tour with this kid, but well, whatever, she, whatever, whatever, like, whatever. She's whatever. pretty rookie. Like she's pretty small time new. And if somebody as big, uh, keeping aside the fact that he's like a turkey child performer. How far away do you think we are from like them finding Mason Ramsey in like a hotel room or like a motel room with like six hookers and... Like I thought you were going to say something far more morbid. <laughs> well, no, I'm assuming he's going to be dead, and maybe they'll all be dead, too, in like a m- <laughs> vicious murder-suicide. You know what? I don't even want to be on the record <laughs> guessing that. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, what anyways, I was, what I, I was going to say... All, and all I, I have, have to say in the defense of that, and not that I need to defend it or not... Of the Mason Ramsey murder-suicide? No, 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 no. <laughs> Just of going on tour with him. Oh, right. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is that I would go on tour with him right now if I had to because that's probably a pretty big show. And if you're oh. someone pretty new, like, you're you're, you're going to take it. I know. It'll At the very least. Questions. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe he's a cool kid or has cool managers. Who knows? But Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rip on him too hard. He's a kid. Like, yeah. I, I joke, but... Um, Anyways, the point that I was going to make originally, and uh, sort of as you were talking, like I felt like maybe, and even says it in her bio, she's a modern cowgirl, was Mm -hmm. that I think maybe what part of what piqued your interest is that maybe the way she's doing it is the way that that should like country music should progress instead of going like straight into pop, like. Or, or straight or mixing elements of like hip hop and things like that. Maybe she's just taken some elements of pop, interweaved it with a true, like a truer, more authentic sound. And it's more of a natural progression, which doesn't get your back up right away. It's funny that you phrase it that way because that has crossed my mind in this uh, week or two of having listened to her stuff, where so many things always draw me back to like what George Strait did in music in the early 80s or even more so what like the the neo-traditionalists of like the class of 89 in the early 90s like they were called pop country and not country at the time because there was so much more rock elements included into the music and where that's become so internalized and ingrained as a country time and era and golden era even that Anybody who says like Alan Jackson or Garth Brooks or Brooks and Dunn isn't country is just like 
old and detached. Like, yeah. That's as country as country comes now. But at the time, that was a different conversation. And so it has crossed my mind that this might be the sound of a new era of that. That, And I think that's why, like when I opened this and I felt like I said it wrong, but I think that's why I said I didn't hate it yeah. at first because it didn't sound right to me. It's not, or sorry, it's not what I expected. Mm. And then I didn't turn it off and I didn't hate it. And it made me think about it because it wasn't, it wasn't like sing rapping and like Sam Hunt or Flora Georgia line and super snap tracks with just like only club beats. There's definitely like a country melody being carried mostly through pedal steel, the way she sings and her lyrics still keep it real. It's just so much of that instrumentation, like, like you mentioned byline, like almost modern cowgirl. And she definitely wears it like physically. It's in, it's interesting. Well, it's, it sounds like, the limited amount of music of hers that I listen to, it's like she's owning it, right? And she's not trying, she's not trying to do this, she's not trying to do that. It's just she's trying to, I guess, probably blend two things, but not in a really fake way. And if again, songwriting's there, content is there. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with modernizing. Like, we're not here to say we're definitely neither of us are like uber traditionalists. No, like we're on the hunt always for new music. And we both like a lot of new, more progressive country. And I think sometimes though, it's just, you do like, it takes you some time to digest it. Right. Uh, it's like sometimes when you go back to, there's like a food that maybe you, yeah, I didn't like olives for this for years yeah. from almost my entire life. I started loving olives recently. Yeah. So it's like your tastes change, but sometimes you also have to just give things more of a chance, really give it a critical listen, let it sink in. Like I'll listen to something like, I hate this. I'm going to listen to this again later. Like, yeah. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and another thing I thought about is like, how many times do we hear something that has like good lyrics, good singing, but is like shitty pop music underneath, like yeah. pop country, like something from the radio. And so many times we say, if this had a different band, this would be so much better. Or at the very least, I've been a broken record saying this just needs a pedal steel or a fiddle to just tie it together and just to say, yep, we got a pop beat here, but we're 100% wearing it on our sleeve that this is still trying to be country by using the country instrument. Yeah. And I've said that so many times and here she's doing it already. I don't need to say it. And I think that's why I'm torn or I don't even know if I'm torn. I do like it, but yeah, I don't know. That's a slippery slope too though, because um, in some of the research that I was doing just on some random stuff about this episode, I, I ran, came across an article that was, I think it was called like the banjofication of pop music or something. And, uh, so they I'm, wear flat brim hats. Well, what I'm saying, it, like you're talking about just needing the, the, the instrument, the steel guitar, right? Like how far away are we from the steel guitar getting, um, taken oh, from us? That's a good point. Because you know? now like so much of my gripe with Americana is that it's just, indie music that now has a banjo yeah. and then they wear a flat brim hat yeah. because they don't have the balls to actually wear a cowboy hat <laughs> and there's like oh it's it's country enough and then oh we got a banjo player and then all of a sudden you're, yeah look at this guy he's wearing suspenders yeah. for Christ's sake oh yeah like uh, <laughs> he he's doing this before he goes as has his gig as a mixologist uh bartender he's got a uh, mustache and a what are those ties called with the bolo tie yeah bolo tie yeah <laughs> fuck and 
He looks like he works at an old-timey saloon. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so you, 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 you could be right. That's an interesting thing because like they, they just add that banjo and then it's like, oh, well, we're uh, Americana or it's kind of country or more country. It's yeah. like, no, 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 it's not. No, it's not. You're still like folk with a banjo. I mean, I love banjo. I'm going to let this one slide. Me too. I play but banjo. If they take our steel guitar. Fuck that. We're going to open up that gun closet. <laughs> Get out there. You're taking our steel guitar <laughs> out of our cold, <laughs> dead hands. Oh. But please use steel guitar excessively wherever else you like it. Yes. In country music. Yes. In country music. <laughs> yes. And in modern country music. Yeah. And I think all of this means... The fact that we've talked about this for... What has this been? Fucking 20 minutes? 15 minutes? <laughs> it It means there's something there. And like it's it's struck enough of a chord, pun intended, that I'm I, I've I've got to dig more into this. Listen listen to more of her catalog, check more of this out, uh, because it, it has me more and more intrigued. What was I, I knew I'd pique your interest too with that uh that artist I played you uh earlier. Uh Yes, uh, you did. Kayla Ray. Now that is the opposite reaction because <laughs> you say Kayla Ray, never heard of this before. And then I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what this sounds like. And it was country, country as fuck in its instrumentation. Like and that I, first song I played you, the super fast one. Yeah. And well, and then also the second song you played that had that guy singing, it <laughs> yeah. was a dead ringer for George Strait. And I knew you were, that was going to blow your mind. It did blow my mind. I couldn't <laughs> believe it wasn't him. This like, and again, in the same way where, I, I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing because as per my <laughs> constant comment about Coulter Wall sounding like an old man Johnny Cash impersonator, this sounds almost like a George Strait impersonation and doing it well. What was the guy's name again? Uh, I, I immediately Colton forget. something? Yeah. Uh, the song's called uh, Once a Week Cheaters. Yeah, it's a good song. I'm just trying to find it now. Oh, she's got a song with... Uh, Jason Eady too. That's cool. He's cool. Yeah, I love Jason Eady. I don't know why I can't find this song. Uh, Colton Hawkins. Hmm. So this is off her 2018 album, uh, Yesterday and Me. So the songs that I played, Andrew, were the first one was called Hell of a Day to Drink All Night, which is like a super fast. That's like, a great song. That's honky tonk. Yeah. To like the T. She just cut a line in that song. Uh, wound up in the corner snorting christmas tree perfume i don't even know what that means yeah i don't even know <laughs> but i like it like i feel like i need yeah. to know what it means <laughs> yeah is that like her own metaphor or is that like the word on the street for a certain kind of drug yeah maybe we're just too lame to know <laughs> exactly well we'll reach out to her and uh she can let us know uh, hopefully i didn't get that lyric wrong i think i'm pretty close to it uh, and then yeah the other song was called once a week cheaters which was such a classic country song and uh yep. that's the one with colton hawkins and then yeah I, I looked him up on instagram too and he's he seemed like he sounds like he's 50 but he looks like he's about 20 so for the record we do all of our research on instagram <laughs> <laughs> for, no i feel like we've just said that a hundred <laughs> times today and i looked him up on instagram well, and probably I guess. this but person this is country catch-up these are the unresearched episodes where we just throw shit at each other that we've discovered throughout the week and slash doing it as we go. Yeah. <laughs> drinking <laughs> drinking light beers and doing it as well. Not you. You're drinking like over the top sour beers. Well, it's not super. It's only like five and a half percent. 
It's because there's nothing to it but acid. <laughs> That's, That's why. You're going to need Tums after that shit. <laughs> I'm not joking. I know. You it's a very, very sour beer. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're, we're pushing some time, so we should okay. probably wrap things up. Um, one thing I wanted to talk quickly about before we go is the Spotify year-end wrapped results came out. And we had a bit of surprising news. The two biggest countries that we are, <laughs> I don't know, listened in, and that, like it's a significant amount. It seemed like about over just over half of our entire listenership is via Spotify. And apparently the Philippines <laughs> it like it says like we're big in the United States and the Phil no, sorry, the Philippines and the United States. <laughs> And so when I looked on the platform that we're on, um, as I peek in from time to time to see like where distribution and everything is, majority seems to be around the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. And then here comes Spotify and throws in the Philippines <laughs> and United States. And I mean, that's cool. Uh, had no idea. So if this is true and you're listening to us right now from the Philippines, Give us a shout out. Go to the <laughs> website, send us an email, comment on Instagram. And yeah, we want to hear from you. Talk to us on Twitter. Um, the the website is www.countrycountrymusic.com. The Instagram is at countrycountrymusic. The Twitter is at countrypodcast. Let us know. We, we're really intrigued now. We want to know what the deal is with the Philippines. Is is there a, a, a country music scene there? Is it a whole bunch of expats that just live there and listen to country music? What, what's the deal? Do you think, I mean... I or may, maybe it could be like some kind of server that is being rerouted through the Philippines and it's actually all being listened to somewhere else, but it's showing as the Philippines? I was just going to say like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we've, we both have uh, post-secondary educations. I'm sure we've both taken some stats courses along the way. Do you think it's just skewed stats because of like who like maybe it's not that many people listening, but it's just like it's a small market and oh per capita like proportionally yeah. speaking? Yeah. Yeah. That could be. But yeah, if But if, I feel like they probably count things based on number of streams in a country. Can we did we see how many streams happened there? Or it just shows not that there. It says total streams. We, we've seen total streams via Spotify, but not a breakdown from huh. which country. Yeah, we want to hear from the people in the Philippines and uh, <laughs> anywhere else, really, where you're listening. Reach out to us. Um, yeah, if you got we stuff you want to, you know, you want us to talk about. Um, you got questions, comments, whatever. Just do us a favor and, you know, go on to Apple and um, give us a, a review and all that kind of stuff and subscribe. But also, yeah, just reach out to us. We want to talk to everybody. That's one thing I found, like, reflecting back on our year, is this has been sort of a building year for us. And we're starting to get, like, one of our favorite things to do is communicating with uh, listeners. So, And those have been some of the coolest exchanges we've had. So reach out to us. We're here to chat. We are accessible. And you can get at us on all the social media platforms that Andrew mentioned earlier. And let us know what you want to hear. Uh, let us know what you guys like. Share some music with us. Get on to uh, Spotify as well. We've got playlists, um, all kinds of playlists out there. You can see what we're listening to. And uh, yeah, reach out to us. Let us know what's going on. And just one more point. We just wanted to, as the last episode of the year, thank everybody for listening. Uh, it's 
it's it's been a real learning process. I actually went back and listened to the first episode. <laughs> oh, no. To the I don't even like listening to that one. <laughs> the sound sounds so different than now. Yeah. And I don't know why. We were doing it in the same room, but it just sounds so much more amateur than <laughs> anything of the last like 10 or 15 episodes. The first couple, like, there's just a different audio quality to it, which is unfortunate. Well, you know what? I, I've no, I have, because. I've done that too, and it's I almost find it embarrassing, but I've made myself feel better about it because I go back to some of the podcasts that I listen to that are, you know have millions of followers now, oh, yeah. and I listen to their first episodes, yeah, and they're all garbage too. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> Not that true. our first episodes are garbage, but you can definitely be like, oh wow, they. It's changed. one of my favorite episodes, yeah. in, in terms of its content, and but like the sound quality is not the same as it is anymore. Maybe it's this new audio interface we got a while ago, but <laughs> I don't know. But it's. It's worked out. We've in under, what is it, 25, 24, 25 episodes, we had uh, over 15,000 listeners. So we've, uh, we, we've been pretty humbled by the fact that uh, there's so many people interested in uh, listening to and continuing a conversation about real country, country music. Yeah, we have been floored by the overall support and uh, it's amazing. So thank you so much everyone for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends and, you know, continue to do so. Uh, we're here and we just want to keep bringing new content to you guys and talking about country music in, you know, continuing the conversation um, about real country music and country country music. And with that, we'll leave you. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. And we'll see y'all in uh, 2020. 2020. Country, country music.